Hey everybody, welcome back to New Slang. I'm music journalist Thomas Mooney, and this is episode 212, where I am joined by singer-songwriter Caleb Lee Hutchinson. Caleb released Southern Galactic just this past Friday. It's been on repeat over here at the house, and for starters, just a great album title. I love the crossover and the merging of worlds with that Southern Gothic and Galactic space thing going on here. If you've heard Caleb before, you know, of course, that it's going to have that baritone country crooner voice that really harkens back to classic country. You're not going to find too many people who can outsing Caleb. His voice is so velvety and strong and piercing and at times really filled with that brooding undertone. But what I love so much about this new record that he has here is that he's taking those classic themes and that language that we often find in country music and he's invited them to live in a different realm. And what happens is they blossom into something refreshing and new that still harkens back to those familiar ties while also exploring a new space. We talk about it a lot during this episode, but we are in a really exciting space and time when it comes to country and folk and Americana music. You see a guy like Sergio Simpson, for example. He makes this cosmic outlaw country album in metamodern sounds and country music, which just really turns out to be a, a watershed moment for this era. And then he goes on to making a, an album that's filled with horns and is much more of a concept record. And then he goes and cuts two bluegrass albums, and then he cuts a western album with the, the ballad of Dude and Juanita. And I don't know, maybe it's kind of given confidence to all these other songwriters, and then maybe they can venture into just these new spaces that they wouldn't have otherwise so in that sense like the exploration the the pushing of the envelope southern galactic feels right at home in discovering new things beyond the ether and out into the the great beyond if you will an aspect of this album that i really like is that these are like honky-tonk songs for for the moon down at the the old space bar if you will i mean when we go out into space and start building these colonies out on the moon and on mars you have to remember that, yeah, sure, scientists and architects and engineers and doctors, they're all going to be going out there. But at some point, also a bunch of rednecks and country folks are going to be out there building the stuff. They'll be the ones that are pouring the concrete and welding and drilling and mining for whatever moon rocks that we're supposed to be getting out there. Precious metals. And this kind of music right here, it's probably going to be the, the, the soundtrack, if you will. You have all these anthem barn burners like the the tone setting opener silverado and things to burn there's also these classic jukebox joints like good at being bad and at least i'm drunk that will certainly be on repeat but for my money's worth i think caleb really shines on the introspective heartbreakers i miss you quarter life crisis and in particular the one-two punch that ends the album that's that would be the songs used to and she didn't drink with me those really hit the mark that's where the dark realities of space and life intersect it's where caleb he does park that old silverado on the corner of space and lonely it's floating alone in the deep dark and lonely coldness without like a rocket pack i guess to, to get you back home and i'm probably going to make some strange ties here but i really do think there's something interesting about pickup trucks and heartbreak in space 
I've never been to space personally, but I've most definitely felt dejected and lonely and alone behind the wheel of a pickup truck. And I've also felt like I was on fire and high on life, barreling down an open highway. And in a lot of ways, I feel like that's what the cosmic element is on this record. The, the space element is those open highway, high on life kind of thing. And then also the just being the most lonely person in the universe. And that's something that Caleb has absolutely captured both lyrically, emotionally, and of course sonically with Southern Galactic. Silverado and Natural Man, At Least I'm Drunk, they're all good, fun, and captivating moments. But the existential dread of quarter-life crisis, the woeful heartbreak of used to and she didn't drink with me, that's where it's at for me. That's the gravity of the album, if you will. I highly suggest that you guys go check it out after listening to this episode right here with Caleb. Which, speaking of, let's just go ahead and get on into the interview. Here is Caleb Lee Hutchinson. Yeah, we'll just go from here now. Dude, this uh, is like, it's, it's weird to do something on Zoom that isn't therapy. Yeah, I'm used to like the Microsoft <laughs> meetings and stuff, but yeah. like Zoom, Zoom is usually exclusively me crying and talking about my childhood. So this is this is nice. We can uh, we don't have to go that far, but we can go maybe, as deep as you want to, brother. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, like I was saying a minute ago, like obviously Southern Galactic coming out in the end of the month, October twenty seventh. Uh, when it, when I was sent it, well, when it was sent over and I was listening through it, you know, it's like obviously great album title, great, uh, description of what's going on sonically and what's going on lyrically. Um, what, what, I guess like, what was like the, the first moment that you thought you could bridge that, those, those, that sonic, that spacey sonic vibe with the old school country, uh, songwriting what, what, like was there like a, a moment that like you kind of that, that kind of clicked for you where it was like yeah that maybe this is the direction for this next project yeah well i owe i owe most of it to uh titanic sinclair who produced the record um i i made a weird friendship with him kind of over the pandemic he released his own record called texas dream which was kind of his like country concept record um and i've just been a fan of his for a long time uh, i think like end of middle school i found all his music and not country at all but i was i was a big fan of it and just like his all his creative stuff his videos is from like his music videos his youtube videos all the stuff he's produced and wrote and when he made this country record i dm'd him on instagram and just like telling him how cool it was for me as a fan to hear him make songs with steel guitar and all this like country instrumentation and uh, he he messaged me back a few months later because he doesn't really get on social media very much. But we like kind of formed a friendship, and um, you know, I just he was always kind of a a hero of mine, somebody I looked up to and admired. And when it got to, I wrote most of these songs on the record um, before I kind of figured out that he was going to produce them, and. We had started talking about potentially him doing it, and I assumed he wouldn't because you know he's he's got <laughs> got cooler stuff going on. He's been a part of a lot of things way bigger than me, and you know, I, hopefully, he wouldn't mind me saying this, but he more or less just told me he's he's fortunate enough to be at a place in his career where he really doesn't 
say yes to things he doesn't actually want to do. And he was, he really liked the songs I sent him and, and liked me and want to be a part of it. So I sent him a lot of these songs and I mean, I sent him a ton of songs way, way more than we ended up cutting. And immediately he was very like hands-on and what he liked. And we had many long conversations about what records I love and, and things I'm into. And he kind of started, you know, he listened to country as a kid, but then he got into like pop and alternative and all, I mean, he's, he's all over the place and i started exclusively in country and then I started finding all the weird stuff later. So we kind of had the same path, but in reverse, uh, which was kind of cool because we ended up referencing a lot of the same stuff and he introduced me to a lot of cool things I hadn't heard. Um, but I think like th- I've always been particularly interested in people who take like an authentic country sound, but kind of push the barriers, you know, out a little bit. I think it's there's a lot of pop country where people go, what if we took country and we added pop instrumentation? Yeah. Um, but then, you know, I'm, I'm into all this different stuff and. You know, I love like Sturgill Simpson, clearly, uh, Billy Strings, Tyler Childers. Like there's so many of these guys that are just their projects are so diverse sonically. And I've never thought of myself as a cool enough guy to do it. But I thought that Titanic was. So it was it was just kind of a dream for me to get to just go. Here's what I like and here's what's cool. But I can't tell you why I think it's cool. And then for him to go, this is why you think it's cool. What if we did something like this? And then pretty much every time he hit the nail on the head. And I think the first song we wrote together is the track Natural Man on the record. And he just sent me the hook, like the chorus. And I was at my parents' house visiting for the weekend and just wrote the verses and sent it to him. And I was just like, man, you may not like this. Like, it may not be right. I just took a swing at it. And he goes, no, this is it. And then made a track, pretty much what you hear and sent it to me and i was just like in in the course of like six hours just from him sending me the the hook me sending back lyrics he built the whole track and uh and then going down to texas i you know i stayed with him at his home and we recorded at his home studio and it was one of the coolest most like gratifying experiences i've ever had just to be with someone who was a bigger nerd about music than me and by all means way smarter than me in terms of production and um so i i owe like 80 percent of how this record sounds in my opinion to him um he's he's a genius and a, a really stellar human being yeah you uh you mentioned how like you know country will what what what, what pop elements can we add to make it more yeah. poppy um but if you think about it like a lot of old country stuff if you're talking about fiddle and pedal steel and just really sharp guitar Mm. that can really lean into being spacey especially the pedal steel you know it it can really much it it has so much um potential to to go in in many directions and it just depends on you know if you if you start branching out if you start pushing them that way and uh you know it's one of those deals where um I, i think like the spacey elements like the the um the atmospheric kind of stuff, the synth kind of stuff. Mm. We think of it as being really, really far from country, but um, a couple of years back I was talking to a friend and we were talking about how, you know, in, in, whenever space exploration happens in a, in a way where we're sending people to 
you know, mine rocks off of the moon or <laughs> Mars or, you know, that kind of stuff. They're going to be sending rednecks, you know, they're going to be 100%. sending like <laughs> things 100%. like that up there. And that means it's going to be like all like truck driver country and uh, <laughs> country music in general being yeah. played up there. So to me, like yeah. it's like a natural kind of fit. Yeah. Well, I also think, uh, you know, as a, as a lifelong fan of country music and I, I'm very passionate about country as a whole, I'm very aware of what like, most people's consensus about country music is that have never really listened to it or have just heard stuff on the radio and not that there's anything wrong with what's on the radio by any means of course but you know i think a lot of people just write it off as sort of just bland and and you know just token stuff and and i get that and i, I think i got excited i think country music's at a really cool place i think people are starting to recognize like how exciting and diverse it can be Mm -hmm. um and so like I, it just excited me the the thing that excites me in general just about putting music right now is the opportunity to maybe contribute to that in some kind of way and and maybe push people people who've never heard country and don't think they like country to maybe listen to it in a new way and maybe people who listen to the same three country artists all the time and you know don't really want to look outwards you know just to give them kind of another option I think it's uh that's something that excites me and you know as as a listener this this I'm very proud of a lot of the projects I've put out um and I think I've I've got some stuff out there I really love and stand behind but I think this was one of the first times that listening back to it I was like okay if I didn't know anything about me I would think this is cool like just as a listener I I would be like I would send this to my friends and be like what do you think yeah. and that that's exciting for me because all the people that I love and idolize, you know, I could say the same for them, but the first time I heard them, um, and even like the classic people, like I've always just been drawn to the kind of like genre pushers and, you know, the, the Waylands and the Hank juniors of the world who just kind of did their own thing. And until it became the norm, and you know, that, that whole concept has always been more interesting to me. Yeah. I mean, it's, obviously like highwaymen like the last verse in that is about being a, a star man you know what i mean yeah uh and I, I i like i said like i think there's just it's interesting how even in the like the cliche sometimes like mm -hmm. some of these older country guys they were going into they were mixing like the the classic country standard with a little bit of space a 100%. little bit of like some synth stuff and I, I know it's it's weird too is like even um like some of the i know he's not country but like like everyone got into a little bit of synth in the 80s like there's a, yep. a lot of bob dylan stuff that has like synth in it mm -hmm. and um i think like that's like in a in a strange way like you know we we haven't fully gone nearly as as far as we probably could in country with explore exploring that in a good way yep. um you mentioned like country music being in a good spot though uh with the diversity with um just like people i guess probably not being afraid to to release something that um that they are excited about but you know obviously you kind of you don't want to like lose fans either you don't want to like yeah you people i think it, it's very, very easy to just do what you did that's do what you did really well forever 
you know, versus mm. stepping out of, uh, you know, and pushing your boundaries and stepping further out. But guys like Sergio and, and uh, Tyler Childers, they have made that kind of the the standard in a lot of ways. Um, yeah. With, with that being the, the climate, like, was it a lot easier to, to uh, you know, to go in this direction, to, to go and see what your boundaries were, even if you were like, you know, yeah, a little I, hesitant? I think um, I'll get real with you, Thomas. I'll get real, 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 real. Um, I think there's a lot of my music that I think has always kind of leaned in that direction. Uh, like I feel like Slot Machine had a lot of cool instrumentation and was kind of leaning into that world a little bit more. Um, but I think just to be brutally honest, uh, cause you know, it is true. Like I've got people on Facebook already that listen to Silverado and they're just like, well, this, what is this? The term working out for me well, or whatever. I don't know if it applies, you know, just, just to be brutally honest, I'm not exactly out there doing all the stuff and getting all the numbers and doing all the things. Um, I'm very blessed. I'm very fortunate. And I have a great like following that loves me and supports me and is very patient with me. But I don't think I've been satisfied as of yet with like what I've put out and how people have received it. And I think this, the whole past year on a personal level was filled with like a lot of pain and a lot of, a lot of ups and downs. And it was very like sobering and, me coming to grips with a lot of things. So it just allowed me to be in a better place to have a sense about what it is I want to do. And, um, so ultimately I kind of just made this record with none of that in mind, you know, I, I, it sort of just went, if this is the last thing I ever make or whatever, like I, I just want for myself, if I die tomorrow to go, Oh, I left something really cool. And like, whether everyone loves it or hates it, I'm proud of this. Um, not that I haven't been proud of, of stuff I've done thus far, but I really just wanted to push into what makes me happy and where am I at and what's honest. And I think the record kind of shows that there's a lot of fun, cool songs. And I don't know if I've ever made fun music because I don't think I've ever had fun <laughs> <laughs> up until recently. And there's a lot of like kind of sad, somber moments because all of that has been the truth for me in this past year. Um, so I, I think I've, I've looked, I've tried to completely not look at what people's expectations are or what my expectations were of me a year ago. Just go, where am I at? What do I want to make? What makes me excited to get out of bed in the morning? And that's, that's been the whole thing. So for me, it's, it's already been a win whether people love or hate this record, just because it's, it's been such a fulfilling thing to do for me personally. And it's, it's the kind of thing I, if you would have showed me this record a year ago, not that it's some grand masterpiece, but if you would have showed it to me a year ago and said, you know, you're going to make this, I'd have been like, there's no way. Just because I think I had no belief in myself or confidence to push a little further. And I think life has a way of beating that out of you <laughs> where you just go, I don't, <laughs> I don't really give a shit anymore. I'm just going to, I'm just going to have a good time. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's, it's one of, that's a good thing to hear, but it is also one of those things where, you know, you're a young guy, you're a young artist by mm -hmm. all means, like, you know, young, mid, early twenties, allegedly, you know, yeah. like if, if, if we were all like, if, if you all go back to like when you were, you know, 23, 24, I, none of us had it figured out, you know? Um, yeah. and, and you've been in, I guess, like in the, the spotlight as, as an artist for, 
for you know a, a minute now so like yeah i think like i think we were talking a little bit about it before we actually hit record but you know if if you've been in the spotlight since you're 17 sometimes people just think that why aren't you just doing that exact same thing yeah forever you know and you know it's fine if some if some people want to do that but obviously you have personal growth as you were mentioning you have uh growth as an artist and by no stretch of the imagination should we be viewing artists as you know a finished product by a certain age you know you're always yeah. like in a, in a in a work in progress you know like yeah. whatever that's what you are at this precise moment and you know you you get what you can at that uh recorded at that time and then you know i wouldn't expect you to make this record the next record you know so i mean yeah. it's it's one 100%. of those things you kind of have to i i think like more people are are hopefully kind of understanding that artists are are artists and they're not just like it's not a fixed thing yeah. to fix. you're not a product you know yeah and, and it shouldn't be that way you know like artists are people and they change and Mm-hmm. Um, I think if you are, if you're changing and your tastes are changing and you're just trying to make the same thing over and over again, uh, that's gotta be a miserable for the person making it. Uh, but B like, I'm, I'm sure a lot of people would be stoked, you know, if, if someone if made the same record over and over again, they're like, thank God, another one. But mm-hmm. then other, <laughs> other people are gonna be like, well, dude, we already heard this. Like, where's this going? Um, but I think like you look back at the history of country music and you can find a plethora of early clips of Willie Nelson and Waylon Jennings with their hair slicked back in a, in a nudie suit, you know, or Hank Williams Jr. Dressed up as his daddy singing cold, cold heart. But it's, I I think when people make, take the initiative to just do it their own way, obviously not everybody wins with that, but everyone I've ever looked up to did it. And I think that's what was just telling for me and maybe why I was feeling a bit unfulfilled is I didn't feel like I was taking the risks that the people I idolize did and do. Yeah. You mentioned having fun. Yeah. Like, and then writing songs about fun stuff. Um, 100%. You know, like obviously the, the that first song, Silverado, you mentioned Natural Man right after that. Those feel like they're just like, you know, I'm – got the windows down and i'm driving down you know i hate to do the cliche but i'm driving down like that dirt road you know yeah um getting out like out of out of the out of the city and you you try and you really really captured a lot of energy in those songs um we're we're, how was that i guess different in the in the writing process writing something quote-unquote fun versus something that's you know uh like quarter life crisis, which is, you know, a lot more existential crisis, yeah. uh, yeah. worthy. Well, I guess like, you know, you mentioned like writing, you're more known for more serious subjects, but like, what, what, like, what, what's, how is it different writing a more quote unquote fun song, more of a, you know, they're like being, I guess, less pressure of having to be serious in that, in those moments. Yeah. I, I think, um, again, like not to sound like some kind of this ain't a ted talk or anything but i really i think i kind of figured out a lot of myself and sort of met myself this past year and i don't think i've ever really been in a spot personally where i've had much fun like ever or enjoyed anything really um 
So I kind of got to a point in my life where it sort of felt like for the first time ever, my head was above water a little bit. And um, it was also just, you know, making this record with Titanic Sinclair. It's just so stupid. Like, it doesn't make any sense. And I'm just sitting there like, this is happening. Like, I watched this dude's videos when I was 14. And we were talking about all kinds of country and rock. And I know Silverado, uh, Titanic Sinclair, his real name's Corey. I'm going to call him Corey for the rest of this because it's a very, <laughs> it's a confusing thing. Um, but Corey was playing the bass and just had this line. And I was like, man, that's like kind of funky, kind of sexy. It kind of reminds me like Miss You by the Stones. We need some kind of like, like something, something like that. So, mm-hmm. and he, he just yelled out the, and I was like, damn, dude, that's kind of cool. And just, I, I was just having fun. You know, I wasn't sitting there going, what will people think about this? And does this fit into the current landscape of Nashville? And what will my management think? I was just like, this is fun. Like, this is cool. It's like, dare I say a little sexy. And like, I'm feeling good enough at this point where I can like, just kind of surrender to just being in that, that feeling and that state. And so being there for the first time allowed me to be in the headspace of like, I could make other people be in this headspace as they listen. And and like, that's cool. And that's fun. And so, yeah, we just, I mean, we wrote that song in like maybe three hours, like from, from, Hey, I got this baseline to here's the rough, like, here's the mix. Yeah. (laughs) It was, it was just fun. And I, and I've always put so much pressure on myself making music like about just how do I, how am I great? How am I the best ever? How do I justify to myself that I'm not an idiot for moving to Nashville and not getting like a safe job? You know, I gotta, I gotta have my moment where I drop this and everyone goes, he's a genius. Otherwise, how do I live with myself? And for the first (laughs) time I was just like, Oh, I'm living with myself either way. Yeah. Like I'm very, I'm very happy and I'm happy with what I'm doing. And so just like having the freedom to, create without all these self-imposed barriers um just made those kinds of songs happen and i think it it does work well in like contrast when with quarter life crisis because my my brand personally for a long time has been existential dread ever since i was like seven i was like oh we're all all gonna die and i'm fat like what's happening and so yeah it was (laughs) it was it was cool to to kind of write it sounds super cliche and I would I would make fun of someone for saying this a year ago, but it was kind of like getting to write for a new person because I really just felt like a new person, and and that was exciting. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, I'm I'm right there with you on the the existential dread, the yeah. uh, the the Christ. I think that's like really one of those the first things that drew me into you was like this, like oh, this guy, like uh, he's emo. You know, he, he's yeah, yeah. He's like. It's the it's Yemo, you know, if you're doing yeah. country music. But he listens uh, to Hawthorne Heights. Yeah. And it's, sure. it's like, yeah, um, do we do we really have to do anything if we're all gonna die? You know, like that's how like there's a lot of that for me. Um, but not to, not to get too far into into that, but um Yeah, we can talk nihilism, whatever you want to yeah, do. Yeah, yeah. I mean it's <laughs> but with like Silverado, I mean in this weird, strange way, I think like Silverado is like or something fun is kind of very very similar to having like the existential dread because it's like well if we're not going to do anything we may as well have fun we may as well do something yeah it's, it's very it's all kind of connected to that same root of 
anxiety, you know, it's, it's like a (laughs) positive nihilism. Like this either either means nothing or it means whatever I want it to mean. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So you can make it mean something fun. Yeah. With, uh, it sounds like, like that's like, that was some of your favorite moments on the record is like doing something literally in the studio as far as like, Oh, we wrote a song in three hours and you know, it was, that's what it was like. That's, the yeah. kind of the vibe you mentioned you know you you coming down to texas um to to record the record how how important was that to uh to have like a, a quote unquote like a destination record where you're kind of away from the same thing yeah man i i think it was uh so helpful just for me to kind of change where my mind was at uh cuz i'd already done all the work to get in a better place but you know getting to just leave uh everything i've been familiar with kind of allowed me even more to sort of dip into this like new embracing of the the freedom and whatnot and uh yeah it was it was one of those things where like as soon as i'm i was leaving after we made the record we made the record in like a week and a half and i left and i was just like did that just happen you know, I think I think that's why it's so exciting when you do like write a song in three hours or, or in a day or whatever, have it finished. It's just like I woke up this morning and this wasn't even an idea. And now yeah. as I'm like as I'm going to sleep, I can play this like rough mix of a song that we're going to finish you know, next week or whatever. Um, and I, I just think that is so cool. And because, you know, in the past, I've I've just written songs and I've listened to them over and over again until I hate them and then I change them and then I just and then I'll just go back and forth on everything and, and just to have people in the room um, and just kind of in my life that have uh, supported me and, and made me feel like, Hey, maybe you do make the right calls sometimes. Like maybe you shouldn't freak out so much about every little detail. Uh, that's, that has been very helpful. Yeah. Um, I feel like sometimes like, you know, did, or or does this have like, does having the, you, you said like a week and a half uh, mm. being there. Um, not that that was like a deadline, but like does having a little bit of like a soft deadline in a way, did that kind of help make some of those decisions easier? Uh, I, not really, just because we didn't have like a set deadline. I, I okay. had like three weeks to a month. I mean, however long I needed it. Um, I think what really helped was just I, I trust Corey uh, and his opinions so much i think he's like one of the coolest people in the world and you know when when you have someone there that you respect so much going this is great and you see someone like kind of freaking out about something that's like yours it's just like oh i I trust his opinion over mine so like i'm not gonna even (laughs) mess with this you know i hear it and i think it's great and i see this dude that i've looked up to for 10 years freaking out and bobbing his head in the chair i'm just like we did something yeah so that I need was, that. that was I need that hype man in my life. You know. <laughs> yeah. When when you see one of your like heroes loving something you're making with them, you know, it's just like that. Yeah, that's it's a crazy feeling. Yeah. You mentioned like you know sending him all these songs to kind of go through. Um. What like what was kind of the number that you you sent over? I always like to hear this kind of. Um, where where does how do you you go from that log and you like just start trimming it down to a statue i think i I initially sent him maybe 20 songs and then 
probably like 10 or 15 more over the course of the next couple months where we were sort of planning out everything. Yeah. Um, and, uh, I, I, I had my favorites and he had his, and they were very aligned. We had no, like, I think you should do this one, or I don't like that one that you like. It was just like, Oh yeah, that's it. That's it. That one, maybe not. That one could be later. That yeah. one maybe don't, doesn't fit, but that one's it. And there was never, and it's not just cause I'm like a fan of them. I was soberly minded going like, yeah, you're right. And like, that's what I was thinking when I sent it over. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Like, like I mentioned a minute ago, like, you know, when we go into space, you know, we're going to, it's all going to be like, you know, rednecks and, uh, you know, country folks, it's going to be a lot of country music out there. Um, this is kind of like I, what I love so much about it is like, you do go into these subjects that are very, very familiar. I mean, like mm-hmm. the Southern's in the, in the, in the, the title, there's a lot of like, just really just meat and potatoes kind of country music when it comes to you know heartbreak and and even like the existential dread the the drinking and the getting stoned and all that there's a lot of that in there in this record singing a song about your truck i mean like come on yeah i mean that that, how how, is that not country music right there but it is like with that all that elements of um there's a little bit of like that drive feel like you know Mm -hmm. the movie drive of the yeah um it's like if you added that in there um as i i wrote down here like han solo would like this movie or this this record you know because he's just driving the the millennium falcon listening to silverado (laughs) he's he's got that he's got it on the bluetooth in there yeah for sure yeah probably a cassette guy still i mean like (laughs) we we can make him a cassette you know that's the the funniest thing one of the parts about making silverado was there was a part of it was just funny to me i thought it was so funny that like this is the most bro country yeah thing on the record (laughs) like lyrically if i showed you the lyrics you'd you'd know exactly how it sounds and then it sounds nothing like you think it would based off the title and the lyrics and there's there's a part of that that's almost kind of hilarious to me as we took the most obvious thing and did it the weirdest way yeah i mean it, it is very much the um Sometimes that like doing that is is like kind of the the thing that you want to do. You want to um take the the thing that is classically or traditionally seen as being cliche and like you know, you just go with with it and, and make it your own, turn it into something else, you know. That yeah, is dude. very awesome about like doing that and you know, and making people kind of do the whole oh, okay, well um this is not exactly what I thought it was going to be based off of title and, and uh, based off title. And and if I just saw the lyrics just written out, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of the, um, I think like I saw an interview with Alice Cooper and he was like, all these guys are writing all these songs, just write about your girlfriend. And it's like, just tell me how hot she is or how crazy she is or whatever. And you know, I'm, I'm a, I'm as I'm as much as a, of a good old boy as the next dude. Like I've, there's plenty of times I just want to like go sit on a boat, like go fishing or go drive down a dirt road and listen to songs about beer and hot chicks and trucks. You know, like I I'm I am the market. I have fallen susceptible to it. They're catering to me, and so just to kind of use that, but put my own little twist on it of like, oh, I would hang out and like drink a beer and listen to this. Or like go sit on my boat and listen to it or whatever. Um, 
just have to be able to have my own little my own little twist on it you know it's fun oh yeah i mean that's like that's part of it right is like you know you're you're talking about talking about the fun part as the fun part aspect of it before the they like would i send this over to my buddies if i didn't know who this was i mean you're the one having to play the songs like yeah. every night so like <laughs> uh i think there's like that old there's a quote from ray wiley hubbard about uh up against the wall redneck mother and mm-hmm. he basically said you know you you got to be comfortable singing that song like every night but also like remember what you're going to be singing at 70 and you better be like comfortable singing that you know yeah so i think there's there's definitely an aspect of him or of just people you gotta enjoy what you're what you're writing what you're playing or what's the what's kind of the what's the the point point? yeah yeah um one of the other things i wrote down here as, as a description was like you know, there's a little bit of the the Woody and Buzz Lightyear, uh, but it's not Buzz Lightyear. It's Buzzed Lightyear for you. Buzz Lightyear. Yeah. <laughs> I love that, dude. Yeah. Well, use that as the as a descriptor. Um, you mentioned like you know like finding new new song, uh, new new bands, new sounds, new uh, things that you were introduced to throughout this process that kind of helped you. Um, broaden the the sonic palette if you will but Mm. what's been kind of like some of your favorite things that you've gotten into uh throughout this process is there anything that's just kind of like your your uh your earworm yeah well i know uh pretty early on you know uh, with with some of that synth stuff especially like i'm not super familiar with like all the different variations of synth and the history of it um kind of a wooden box with six strings kind of guy yeah uh, and uh cory put me onto some like brian eno uh some of the like yeah early like pioneers of that kind of like synth going into synth pop synth rock even like some um talking heads and stuff yeah. um kavinsky uh a lot of this stuff i'd never really heard um but, but clearly like i've been influenced by people who are influenced by that stuff um yeah so I, I, a lot of that kind of thing, but also like, um, you know, me and me and, uh, Corey have a lot of the same interests in like modern country and I guess alt country or Americana or whatever those words mean. Um, so like we listened to a lot of Kurt Vile, uh, when we were hanging yeah. out, uh, Sierra Farrell. Um, I showed him so much Billy strings and gave him the history lesson of every Sturgill record. And um, yeah, talked, talked a lot about Waylon Jennings. I know like, I was like, man, we're doing like a disco beat on country. And he's like, Waylon did this. And yeah. like, it's true. You know, like uh, it's, it's, we had a, there's, we both turned each other on to a lot of cool stuff. Um, and even just unrelated to the record, he put me onto some, some wild stuff when we were just like hanging out and eating, you know? Yeah. Like Kurt Vile, you mentioned him, obviously great artist. Um, it was, I guess it was a few years ago. I was able to interview him and Terry Allen mm-hmm. together. Cause Terry's a, a Lubbock legend and Kurt had like, I guess come across some of his early records or his records and just kind of got obsessed. And yeah. um, I did that for Rolling Stone, a, a piece where, they were like basically they were doing a conversation and I was there to make sure it was keeping on the tracks yeah. and moderator. Yeah. And he, uh, 
like Kurt, interesting enough, like his, even though from Philadelphia, his dad was like a huge country and like bluegrass guy, like mm. major bluegrass, like in the nerdy kind of way. And yeah. um, again, that, that that's a, another little point right there of like where bluegrass and like metal guys are just like one in the same because it's all about technique and <laughs> yeah it's no it's it's just acoustic metal yeah <laughs> it's just electric bluegrass you know it's all yeah it's all the same yeah um yeah it, it's it's funny like if you have like really great music taste you're gonna like country music you're that i just think that's deep down at yeah. its core it's just american music man like yeah. and and if you like honesty and vulnerability and also having a good time which is everybody you can find something in country that you like if you haven't found anything in country like you haven't looked hard enough yeah we just get yeah. a bad rap yeah it, absolutely i mean it i mean i can understand why but like every every yeah. genre can get a easily can get a bad rap just if you i, I think country and hip-hop are so similar in that way where like yeah. people who don't listen to hip hop are like, it's all about just drugs and shooting people up and, you know, women dancing inappropriately. And then yeah. people who don't listen to country, like it's all just beer and trucks and, you know, having a crush on your cousin in America. And it's just <laughs> like, yes, yeah, some of it is for sure, yeah. but that's not all of it. You wouldn't try one, you know, one item at golden corral and be like, this place sucks. Yeah. The mac and cheese was dry. It's like, baby, we got pizza. They're doing stir fry over there. What, what are we talking about? There's a chocolate fountain. They got a damn chocolate fountain. They got <laughs> strawberries with sticks in them. Yeah. Little kids are sticking their fingers in there. Don't limit this place. Yeah. The uh, two things on that. One, you know, you're describing the the cliche of, of rap music or hip hop. It's like, that, that's just country music that you described, too. And yeah. the other way around, except for the liking your cousin part. Um, I mean, <laughs> two, I saw somebody on TikTok the other day try to stay in a golden corral like all day, mm. and they were successful. And they like, um, just kind of were like, like she had like gotten up to go use the restroom at one point, and they had cleared her table, but she had like left her laptop there, so it was still like her table. And like, they're like, are, are you are you leaving anytime soon? And they're like, Nah, uh, I'm just kind of working here today. Like I'm. I paid to eat once and she basically ate like lunch and dinner and like snacked all day. And I know what I'm doing after this. Know, more power was, to her. Yeah. I was going to go to the gym, but now I'm going to the corral. <laughs> yeah. The, the old golden corral. I, I miss Ryan's. Did you guys, Ryan's. Do you have Ryan's in Texas? Mm -hmm. at all? I don't, I don't think Ryan's we had like a, something some similar. It was, a little bit lower than the golden corral i don't know how you how you can do that but it was called western sizzler oh uh, yeah the sizzler yeah, yeah yeah that was another staple of the the big buffet uh, yeah we, we got the shonies too the shonies the, has the buffet sometimes the, the, the buffet thing i thought was just going to be killed at covid like no one was ever going to want to like have buffet style you can't kill buffets man <laughs> ever again but no, yeah, dude. I, I think eating the buffets that's why i'm healthy is because i eat so many like buffets is all the things i'm exposing myself to my immune system is just a brick <laughs> wall yeah <laughs> i was gonna ask you know like you being down in texas i know that it's not like obviously your first time but did you get any uh good barbecue good mexican food while here i, I guess you were good... in, like in san antonio weren't you 
Yeah, I was I was like 45 minutes south of San Antonio in uh, Pleasanton, Texas, the birthplace mm-hmm. of the cowboy. Um, yeah, I had some really good Mexican food. I also grew a fond, fond appreciation for H-E-B. Uh, ate a lot of food from H-E-B and was just shocked at how good it was. Yeah. I mean, that was like my go-to as I would wake up, go to the gym. Uh, there was one kind of on the outskirts of his town that was just like a meathead factory. And, uh, and then I'd go to H-E-B and just get like some sushi. Uh, for, honestly, they just had like these little, just like bean burritos type things, just pre-cooked. I put a whooping on those. Yeah. I put a absolute whooping <laughs> on those, dude. I'm, I miss H-E-B more than anything. Yeah. Uh, the, the H-E-B, man, it's like we have, we finally got one here in Lubbock. It's yeah. on the other side of town, of course. So then you're kind of like... I got to plan my day around, you know, going out that way. Worth um, it. But it is, yeah, it is worth it. They, what I love so much is like, there's, there's so much um, local products, like mm. local to Texas stuff that they, they always have. And so you, you're getting a whole lot of local stuff as well. And uh, yeah, yeah. Great Mexican food, even if it's, you know, done on the, the quicker side. Did, uh, did this one have like a, the barbecue in it? Yep, it had the little yeah. barbecue restaurant. That was great too. Yeah, that was you know it was it was it was something fulfilling for me. You know, being from Dallas, Georgia, I've gotten kind of this fake Texan look my whole life, so it felt good to just finally uh, just really immerse myself in the culture that everyone assumes I'm in anyway. Yeah, I tell them I'm from Dallas, Georgia, and they're like, "You mean Texas?" Like, <laughs> I think I know. <laughs> you don't know. You yeah. The little D. You, uh, they, uh, you were born in Dallas, Texas, and just instantly yeah. flown to Georgia. What part of Texas is Dallas, remember. Georgia? In? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Dallas, Georgia. That's the name of the hospital, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, man. Stolen yeah. valor for them Texans. They don't, <laughs> y'all don't like it. Yeah. I, it's so funny. Like, I think there's nothing more that, like, the, the, the thing I guess with Texans is like, if, if, Texans, the one thing they like arguing more than um, with people not from Texas about like just how much better you are if you're born in Texas is mm-hmm. arguing with other Texans about where the lines of like East Texas is and where West Texas is and yeah. what is considered the hill country and what's the coast. And like everyone just argues about that more than anything else. It's and, a cult. And it is yeah. very much a um the, the funny thing is I'm always just like, well, the obvious answer is that there's um like there's no hard lines. It's like there's gonna be like a, a buffer zone that's a like yeah. <laughs> 25 miles of that is considered both. So or 50 miles, I don't even know. But you know what I mean? Like no one wants it. No, no, we have to have hard lines of what yeah. West Texas is and what's you know, oh, for sure. If I was from Dallas, Texas, there'd be plenty of Texans saying I wasn't a Texan, <laughs> you know, so it worked out perfect. <laughs> yeah. The, um, the, that's one of the, like, I guess like for the longest time, the, the, the line of West Texas was, it just starts somewhere between Dallas and Fort Worth. Yeah. And, and now it's like, there's a lot of shit between Dallas and Fort Worth that doesn't look like West Texas. It just looks like Dallas. Yeah. Yeah. Um, like I mentioned, I just came back on Friday and 
oh the driving in that way is uh it's very very uh the the anxiety gets built up dude yeah dallas dallas is a weird one to drive through i went yeah. to a a wedding of a friend uh an old friend and i landed in dallas and drove like east texas and that was it was i'd never like driven through dallas mm-hmm. so it was it was a little like how many lanes is this yeah a lot of lanes <laughs> yeah it, it's like oh how is there like eight lanes through here four lanes five lanes and then it'll be like oh we're working on the next two miles so then we're going to shrink back down to two lane yeah and you're just like what what the fuck man how, how do you how do you guys do this and then I immediately and, am just driving through like pastures <laughs> the yeah. next forever woods. Yeah. 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 Well, Texas is a, it's a, it's a weird one. Yeah. It's like its own country essentially. Right. There used to be a, an ad like that for <laughs> Texas, but uh, the tourism ad, if you will. Um, yeah. Like what, what do you guys, what do you have going on uh, coming up as far as like touring and, and stuff like that? What do you, what are you planning on doing for the, the rest of the year in, in support of Southern Galactic? Yeah, so we're still kind of putting it all together. Um, as of right now, I'm doing most everything on my own, aside from my incredible management team mm-hmm. and uh, my bestie, Emily, who's doing PR for me. Um, but uh, we're kind of, we got some cool shows coming up. I'm playing Eddie's Attic in Decatur, Georgia um, on the 21st of October which will probably be the last show I do um, before release day for this record. So I'm looking forward to that one, kind of getting to go back home. Um, I mean, it's like an hour and some change from my home, but close enough. Uh, not a ton of venues in Dallas, Georgia, as it turns out. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I, I got a few few conversations being had. I've got a potential really weird one that could happen, uh, but I don't want to say it and then it not happen. It'll hurt my own feelings. Yeah. <laughs> uh, um right now like we're really just trying to find the right partner in terms of um you know agency and everything. I've I've had a few experiences and we really just want to focus on finding the right like long-term partner yeah. but next year's definitely going to be all about touring and doing everything with this record and probably already looking at the next one. Uh if everything goes well, which God willing, you know, and the creek don't rise, it will happen. Yeah. No, absolutely. Um yeah, like I'm a big vinyl guy, which I love yep. vinyl. I'm a, obviously you got to get this on vinyl. But the one oh, thing yeah. I was wanting to say is uh you got to get it on a cassette too. Like this is like a cassette country record. Yeah. In my Man, opinion. It's I've I've always wanted I've been collecting vinyl since I was a little kid. My uh, my great uncle who was more like a grandfather to me, uh he and his wife used to get a new record every Friday and just spend the week weekend listening to it so they had a plethora of really cool original records and my dad had a bunch so i I have them all over my walls i'm like i just want mine on the wall i want the i want it and uh but it'll be interesting you know this record is mixed very very hot so i think we're probably gonna have to adjust some things to get it on vinyl that thing will be riding you know like a gravel road but uh yeah that's that's a huge goal huge goal of mine and the biggest thing in my life right now, as of yesterday, was I found out the new music's going to get on like the Touch Tunes jukebox. Nice. All, all I have ever wanted, more than a Grammy, more than a million dollars, more than a CMA or CMT or whatever, is to walk into a Waffle House and put in like a $20 bill and play my own song 30 times and leave. That's all I've ever wanted. I'm going to be doing that at every Waffle House I pass 
for the rest of my life. Yeah. So that's a huge one. You 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 mentioned the the touch tune thing is so funny because, um, so like when Turnpike put out their record, uh, just a couple months back, mm. the the first single, um, I can't remember exactly when it was coming out. It was like May or something like that. And it was going to be, um, they had really they they were teasing it, but they hadn't announced like when it was going to be coming out. Mm. But it um was leaked on the touch tunes. Um, because like they, I guess had sent it over and it was going to be on there and it accidentally was just released on a Friday on there and not on like Spotify or Apple music or anything like that. And people were playing it. And, um, like I was talking with the RC, who's the, the, the bass player about it. And it was like, yeah, people think like we were doing that on purpose. And like, that was part of like our PR can't like our campaign and, no, that was just like, you know, we were trying to figure out how to fucking stop it. You know, <laughs> like, I don't know. That would be, to, like, that would be kind of genius in the future, though, is just yeah. to like reach out to Waffle House or whatever directly, you know, Buffalo Wild Wings, whatever it is, and be like, we want to put this on yours exclusively yeah. for a month. I mean, all the Turnpike fans would be going wherever. Yeah. I know I would. I, I, I would be remiss if I didn't mention I kind of had a similar scheme to what they accidentally did. Um, because I got uh, Silverado was in the the new game country star made by space yeah. ape uh so that was really cool for me as you know i had these people um get to hear the song a week before it came out in the game and like play along and that was what was uh kind of extra special for me to like calm down my worries it was all these people who didn't know who i was but like found the song in the game really liked it and internationally and it was it was really great so i'm i'll be shouting out country star for the, the rest of my life because it was really cool and really helped in there it's a great game it actually is real fun yeah i mean that's that's the kind of fun stuff that's like i guess we we think that like um i guess we we come to a point every few years where it's like this is the standard on how to release a record you're going to mm-hmm. do the waterfall uh releasing of the singles Right before it was like we're gonna get a premiere on every fucking website there ever was, like from Rolling Stone yeah. to Wide Open Country to what you know every just literally every place is gonna get a single, and like that's just the way it was for a amount of years. And then like we kind of decided, you know, that's kind of like uh, annoying and boring in a way. You know, like just release the singles, like it's fine. And then yeah. we go to the waterfall thing, and now you know it's like it's it, it's funny and interesting to see like the new things that people do that are like i don't want to call it a gimmick you know what i mean but like that are borderline kind of funny in that way of like you know if if uh if like you just like partnered with a a dealership and like every freaking vehicle that was like driven off like doing a a a a test drive at silverado like just wearing like every (laughs) silverado every test drive of a silverado they just play my song yeah I, it is shameful it is downright upsetting that gm that chevrolet has not reached out to me yet <laughs> so i would like to use this platform at this moment to just appeal to general motors yeah i wrote a, i wrote a song for you this would sell a million more trucks people would be burning their camrys tomorrow yeah to get in that new silverado if you just put me in a commercial yeah so yeah that's I, was the gonna, I was gonna actually ask you about that too is like um just make sure you're being authentic. Yeah. Do you, you have a Silverado? It's not like you have like a 
Yeah, my Toyota. my my first uh truck was my great uncle's uh God rest his soul, and it was a uh, ninety five uh Chevy Silverado fifteen hundred extended cab sitting on a six inch lift. 35s <laughs> i still have it it's in my parents driveway and my hope is is that this music does real well so i can revive her yet again yeah that first truck is always like you kind of oh yeah it's horrible by the way like my <laughs> i had it parked out and you know i'd go home every month or so and you know crank it and drive it around and it's 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 not in a great place right now um so I, it would it got p- painful because I would have to spend like two days working on it just to drive it around and make sure it was still going. <laughs> uh, um, but I, the last time I was in there, like I guess just where the sun had been hitting the dashboard, mm-hmm. it already had a crack in it. Yeah, and I like put my hand there just like to pull myself up or something, and just the whole dashboard. <laughs> and it's like that. <laughs> it's that burgundy. It was burgundy and red for some reason. It's a red exterior with a burgundy interior. It's yeah. kind of it's kind of sick. I'm not gonna lie. It just doesn't make any plausible sense. Yeah. Um, but yes, yeah, so I'm saving up for a new dashboard. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, my first vehicle was like a '88 '89 Dodge uh, Dakota. Yeah, it was, it was diesel. And you know, at the time, like my parents had told me, like I was going to get the the newer truck, which was like this like 97 Dodge Ram that was since I was like 12, I was like, yeah, this is my truck. I'm going to drive this truck. You know, they're going to get a new truck or whatever. And I'm going to get this truck. Well, of course that didn't work out. I get like the first, like the tester truck, you know, for the first year or two. And I, I, it's one of those deals where like, I wish I had that truck. It was like a two-tone blue silver, um, it was the loudest thing in Fort Stockton, Texas, like not trying to be cool loud, but like was just loud. There's no, there's no sneaking in or out of the house with that truck. (laughs) Um, yeah. And it's one of those things where you just kind of go, it just had like the one, the bench seat, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, was I think that's if you, if you didn't wear pants, you know, that kind of <laughs> I think that's a good, it's a good first move for like a first vehicle to be like real loud and kind of not fast. Yeah. You know, you can't sneak out. It's kind of hard to speed unless you're going downhill. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah. That thing was like, just like you'd pump the get or, you know, push the gas and you're just like, okay, we're, we're going five more extra mile, <laughs> like per hour. Not fast character. at all. Yeah. But I, I kind of wish like I, I still had that one because it's uh I would I would drive it right now if I had it, you know. What happened to it? Did you guys sell it or oh so like my dad and uh mom had like a a company and it was kind of like a company truck. And so then I, I took that over and it was like I had that for a minute there and it was just you know, when I when I moved on to the next vehicle, it went back to being the the errands truck, you know, or the yeah. go pick up parts truck, that kind of. So is it thing. still alive? It still exists? No, no, they got rid of it. Like this is, you got to remember, this is like 20 years ago. Right. <laughs> that part too, that's just kind of, uh, you know, I'm I'm literally um, coming to, to terms in the moment right now that that was like 20 years ago because I was, I'm 36 and that was, wow, we're going to have if, a, a, if a, you need a hard moment. Yeah. <laughs> But um, yeah, that's, uh, I don't know where that truck is. It's probably like in a 
one of those part lots, you know, the, the, the kind that you, you, you go and if you need a part, you go yeah. and bring your toolbox to take off a part. We'll never lose hope. You could, you can find another, they made yeah. more than one. It won't no, this, be the this exact This is the only same. one that they had, you know. <laughs> yeah. yeah, they never made another that year. Yeah. the uh, You know, at one point, there is only going to be one l- truck left of whatever year. Um, For sure. But yeah, I know I'm just rambling on. I'm not even like a big vehicle truck guy. Yeah. And, you know, it just still holds a place in your heart. You may you find will. her again someday. <laughs> Might just yeah. find her. <laughs> yeah. Um. I feel like that's like a a bonus track on the on the record that you're trying to you know <laughs> <laughs> the uh yeah, the sequel to the Silverado. That'll know. be the next the lead single for the next record. Yeah. Like you can still find her. She's out there in the junkyard. The junkyard queen something. Yeah. Yeah. Junkyard machine queen something. Yeah. I don't All know. Right, We're you, rambling on here. Yeah. yeah, I know. I'm in the room, you know. I'm. In- <laughs> you get your percentage. Yeah, one of those deals. Um, yeah, I feel like I'm rambling on here with nothing really to say. I think we, we covered it, a whole lot of it. Um, as I said, like I really dig this record. It's a lot of fun. Whenever you you it's serious, it's serious. But there's still like a lot of fun on the record as far as the synths go and like the, the sound, the sonic vibe is all there. Um, yeah, and yeah, it's been a wonderful time talking today, even though we had a yeah, little man. bit of a rough start to it, brother. No worries, man. I and it really does mean a lot to hear that you like it. I respect your opinion quite a bit. Uh, so to, to hear that you enjoyed the record means a whole lot, and I appreciate your time today. And uh, it's, it's been a real treat. And I hope you find that maybe not bad. All right, y'all, that is it for this episode. Be sure to check out Southern Galactic by Caleb Lee Hutchinson if you haven't just yet. And yeah, I'll see y'all next week for another episode.